What does it actually mean to be a bad bitch? I'm your host, Valerie Martin, and if you're asking me, it means being fully alive, unstoppable, kicking ass at the things that light you up, and being permanently unavailable for the things that make you feel like shit. Whether you're a boss bitch business owner or just someone who goes hard on your personal and professional growth, buckle the fuck up and get ready to be inspired, challenged, and take action. Let's do this, boo. Welcome back to Bad Bitch Therapist Podcast. I am super excited for this solo episode on three self-care shoulds you can stop doing today. I don't know about you, but I love taking shit off my list, so we are going to get into some energy conservation strategies, and before we jump into that, I'll just share a little bit about what I've been up to recently. I got back earlier this week from a lovely meditation retreat in Southern Ontario at the Consciousness Explorers Club, and they are a really awesome organization there based in Toronto, and they do an online sangha practice. I have not practiced with them online yet. I just jumped right in. Um, Almost everyone there was from Toronto or somewhere else in Canada, just a few of us from the States. Uh, And then I got to hang out with my wonderful producer, Simona Costantini, for a couple of days. And she was like the most wonderful host, took me all around and into the city. And it was so much fun. And we really developed a friendship. If you're listening to this, hi, Simona, love you. (laughs) So lately, what I've been watching, just yesterday, I started watching Men in Kilts, a road trip with Sam and Graham, with my husband, Chris, because we are both big Outlander fans. We've watched that show together, and we love these two actors, and they are just so fun. We listened to the book that they wrote of the same clan lands, kind of the same road trip journey, but one is in a book form and one is in a show. So we've enjoyed that. And then tonight we're going to watch The Little Mermaid. It's streaming on Disney Plus now. And so we are cooking up a little mermaid water cocktail. Cooking, you know what I mean. Shaking, mixing, I don't know. But yeah, that's going to be delish. If you want the recipe, because I looked at a ton and landed on this one, just shoot me a DM and I'll send you the one that we used. And reading, I am still reading Robert Moss, who I mentioned in the last episode, but actually because I did not want to use any tech on the retreat, and I was reading the other book, Sidewalk Oracles, on my Kindle, I brought a paperback of his that I happen to have that I've had for years and have like maybe read the first five or ten pages of years ago and then put it away. And now I'm like, you know, at least 100 pages in. It's so good. Conscious dreaming and it's all about dreaming and just love the ways that Robert thinks of dream work and it makes it very accessible. So highly recommend that book. And I am loving just today we went to see a magic show. I would say it's mostly magic, a little bit of comedy, little just like kind of a variety fun, but a lot of magic called Beyond Smoke and Mirrors with Johnny Pica, who also hosts a podcast called Back of the Cereal Box that I had not heard of, but learned about today when going to the show. It was just a random thing that we saw on Do 615. Like a lot of cities have these, you know, calendar events websites where you can just scroll and see everything that's happening in the area for that day. So it was a bit out of town at this historic theater. 
And it was really, really cool. Like, I also loved the message that he brought. Maybe I'll have to have him on the pod. But it was really where the name Beyond Smoke and Mirrors comes from is like the voice that we have in our head, right? The mean, critical voice that is lying to us. Essentially, it's all smoke and mirrors, right? The, the, the limitations that we believe when we buy into that voice. And so if we go beyond smoke and mirrors, then we can actually step into all the things that we're capable of. So I loved that message, of course, and it was such a fun show. It will be going through December. So if you find yourself in the Nashville area and want to see a pretty cool magic show for all ages, it was great fun. I even had to lay on the stage. At one point, they called me up. I was voluntold that I was going to be in this particular role, and they literally had a jigsaw. I think that's the kind of saw it was. And they're like, is this a real jigsaw? Like poking me with it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. And they had this contraption kind of laying over me as I was lying on the stage. And, you know, of course I was like, I'm positive that this is a safe trick because there's gonna be an illusion and it's not actually gonna going into me. But I also was just like, what if something malfunctions? So, and the woman just whispers in my ear. She's like, when you start to hear the saw, just scream really loud. And I did kind of a fake scream because I was like, I don't want to scare any children or my husband who might think I'm actually being sawed. <laughs> so it was really fun though. Highly recommend. And I'm going to have to check out the back of the cereal box podcast. Okay. So let's get into this topic for today. We all know all of the unhelpful shit that we quote unquote should stop doing because it's robbing us of our time. It makes us feel like crap and it impacts our productivity. It negatively affects our sleep, etc. So there might be stuff like that might be stuff like mindlessly scrolling TikTok or Instagram, drinking too much, eating the entire bag of ruffles, not that I've ever done that, buying crap on Amazon, mostly out of boredom and to, you know, fill the bottomless pit of emptiness. You get it, right? I would, however, like to make the argument that some of these things are actually totally fine in moderation. But then the challenge is that when we're already exhausted and on an autopilot, we're not exactly firing on all cylinders, right? So moderating those behaviors based in willpower alone tends to be very ineffective. We need actual systems and tools and support to help us automate and reinforce the changes we wanna make. But that's not where we're going today. Today, we're gonna talk about some of the things that we are told that we are supposed to be doing that I'm gonna give you full permission to take off your plate. This episode is about reclaiming white space in your life and schedule. And yeah, when you do have that space available, I of course encourage you to be intentional about what you do or rather don't do with that time because otherwise we can quickly fill it with all of those shadow comforts I mentioned a minute ago. So you might not actually reap much benefit from reclaiming that space if you're not intentional about then how you use it. Also keep in mind that with all of these three things I'm gonna talk about, I'm not saying that they're bad. And in fact, I engage regularly with these things. It just ebbs and flows over time and might look different. I've finally released myself from believing that I should be consistent with these things in a particular way all the time, but it's taken a lot of work. 
I really do love wellness and self-care and therapy and personal and professional growth. Like I eat that shit up like candy. It's my number one hobby. <laughs> but I also believe that it's important for us to recognize the ways in which wellness capitalism works against our best interests. There's always new stuff being created to fulfill the needs or fix the problems that we didn't even know we had until the creator of this product or service let us know about this problem, right? Don't get me wrong, there are absolutely times when I click on an ad and I buy the product or service and I'm really glad that I did. Even with some that I don't exactly need, a number of these things definitely improve my sense of well-being or enjoyment in some way. But the line is murky and it's easy for us to get into a position where we constantly feel like we need to fix ourselves. And not even just companies with big ad budgets are doing this, but coaches like me and my comrades, authors, podcasters, everyone is trying to sell us on their message, their product, their service. And the result can be that we end up feeling like we need to do 87 different kinds of practices for our personal and professional growth. It's exhausting. And it can make us feel even worse than if we had just never learned about that practice in the first place. All right, so let's dive into those three wellness shoulds that I'm giving you full permission to yeet off your plate, chuck out of your psychological backpack to lighten the load you're carrying day to day. All right, number one, have a morning routine. Okay, so this has definitely ebbed and flowed throughout the years that I've been trying to have some sort of intentional morning routine. But the biggest thing that I will say that I would get stuck in with this when I wasn't giving myself permission to just like chill with it, maybe don't do it for a while, maybe really change up what it looks like, is that I would, it would go from like starting with one or two things like, okay, I got to meditate, but I got to meditate for at least X number of minutes, maybe it's 10, maybe it's 20, maybe it's 30, and it's gotta be this particular type of meditation because I'm now learning that this is the best kind, right? And then I've definitely got a journal, but I've got a journal in this way because this person that I admire does it in this way, and so that's how I should do it, right? So then it's that, and then it's the journaling, and then it's, you know, you start to just add more things on. Well, I've got to have the lemon water, but I've also got to make my matcha latte, right? And before you know it, it's this like beast of things that yeah, a lot of it might independently and perhaps more organically feel really good, but the result of it being all a pile of shoulds is that, it, for me at least, it ends up feeling like a lot of performative box checking. And I literally will then go on my whatever app that I'm using recently and check the box, right? <laughs> and so it's just, it loses the soul for me and so actually what I am doing recently with this instead of like these are all the things that I want to do in my morning routine is I have decided to carve out some particular buckets of time because ultimately I do believe how we spend our time is how we spend our lives and we want to put our money, our, our time where our mouth is in that spending, right? If I say that I value something but I hardly ever carve out, create, protect the time to do that, then how much do I really value it, right? But again, it's just tricky because how can we move toward those things we want to do more of without it just feeling like another stressor or box checking? So recently what I've kind of decided to shift to is I want to do every day with some flex on the weekends, 30 minutes of what I'm calling clinical study time. So doing some kind of reading about a, some kind of clinical 
psychotherapy book or watching a course or video training that I have. And then 30 minutes of movement, which I pretty much always do, but I wanted to be intentional about that anyway because with these other things that I'm prioritizing, it might be easy for movement to get kicked off if I'm doing these other things first and then I don't get around to it. So 30 minutes of clinical study, 30 minutes of movement, and then 30 minutes of what I'm calling soul time. And I felt like so good about that when I identified like soul time might look like some journaling, some meditation, some reading Robert Moss, right? Or journaling about my own dreams. And and I mean, it could be walking in nature with no technology. So it could be any number of these things, but what that looks like on a day-to-day can shift. And there's no requirement that I need to be doing all of these things all the time. It's whatever soul time needs to be that day. And there might be days where I do way more than 30 minutes of it. But I love the idea of just like, at minimum, I can carve out that time. And going back to the morning piece, It doesn't all have to be in the morning. It might be, like for me, I do tend to find that if I get my non-negotiables out of the way, or out of the way sounds kind of bad, but you get what I mean. Like I take care of them early in the day, and that way I can just be like, anything else I do is icing on the cake, right? Like if I end up doing more of it later, cool. But I've already prioritized that time and claimed that time and done that, as opposed to counting on like, oh, I hope I have the energy to do it after I get home from work, and then half the time that doesn't happen, right? So that is why for me, I do like doing a lot of this stuff in the morning, but the way that these chunks work for me is like maybe I only have time for 15 minutes of soul time in the morning and I'll do 15 minutes in the evening and that's great. So I'm really enjoying that but full permission to not have whatever kind of morning routine you have taught yourself or been taught that you need to have. Number two is eat healthy. Ooh, this one I could probably do an entire episode on as someone in eating disorder recovery and um, working in eating disorder treatment for a long time. It's interesting because then also being in this sort of wellness and entrepreneur space where it's like a, a lot of you know productivity and like achievement and and working toward our goals that I'm sort of straddling that world of on one hand like intuitive eating and no food is bad food and on the other hand it's like you know count your macros and don't have gluten even if you have no gluten sensitivity and all of that kind of like bordering on orthorexic stuff with food like everyone should be keto needless to say i'm biased (laughs) in that regard and it's tough because i get your body responds to what you put in it, right? Which is not why I'm gonna be one of these people who's just like, eat literally whatever you want. Like, no, that's not gonna fucking work very well. (laughs) If all I wanted was Oreos and Doritos, great, those are vegan, I can eat those, but I'm, well, certain flavors are Doritos. Fritos would be more my, my jam, but I would probably feel like crap if that's all I ate, right? Or I definitely would. So that's why, and I do borrow this term, play food from intuitive eating rather than junk food, which is pretty moralizing. And I am such a huge proponent as an anti-diet ethical vegan that, dude, I just had vegan nachos and fried cauliflower for lunch, and it was so good. And yeah, technically there's veggies in that. There was beans on the nachos and, you know, red onions and whatever. But I also had veggies earlier today, and it's like your body 
if you just trust it, and, and it, it takes a lot of unlearning for those of us who got really embedded within diet culture or disordered eating, it does take a lot of unlearning to be able to just kind of trust that, okay, if I actually allow myself these things that just taste really good, these things that I like, I'm not necessarily going to want you know, tons of them every single day. I definitely love Michael Pollan's perspective of eat real food, mostly plants, not too much, right? So that's my general perspective on the idea of like eat healthy. And yeah, it's just kind of a mind fuck because a lot of the spaces that I'm inhabit with wellness do get more in alignment with that kind of I don't know, limiting and and moralizing of food, even though my therapy world is very much not that. So it can kind of, it can, yeah, it can just be tricky to navigate that internally. And if any of you are also straddling those worlds, just, I hope you can hear this as permission to not have to fall on every wellness bandwagon when it comes to food, right? Even, frankly, with alcohol, this is something that took me a long time to see how I was falling into it because I love the Sober Curious movement. I totally love and respect when people choose to not have alcohol, whether it's because they feel they truly can't or it is something that they just feel healthier or better without. But I noticed that I had kind of internalized that wellness culture with alcohol the same way that in the past I had done with food. And when I actually step back and really reflect on my relationship with alcohol, I was like, oh, I was in a little wellness perfectionism with it. Like I actually don't, there's no consequences that I'm having from drinking alcohol in the, in the amount and the frequency, et cetera, that I do. But I was sort of buying into that moralizing. And and so for me personally, I stopped doing that. And, you know, it's it works great for me. But I also have gotten to experience a lot of wonderful non-alcoholic drinks in my times of not drinking alcohol. And so I love that that's out there for all of us who either want to drink less or not at all or take breaks. That's great. But beware that wellness perfectionism is definitely showing up in that community. I'm sure not intentionally, but I just have seen it in ways that were making me question myself. And we have to remember that we are the experts in ourselves. No one else really knows our unique situation. Okay, so that's eat healthy. Again, I could go on forever, but I think you get the point. Number three is set specific goals that describe the outcomes that you want to have. This might be surprising coming from a person who identifies as a very action-biased therapist and coach. I very much want to set goals for myself and help my clients set goals. However, I really try to focus on goals that we can control, right? Which is not an outcome-based goal. So for example, if I wanted to get X number of downloads on the podcast or, or on my YouTube channel or X number of followers on Instagram, that is, I mean, that's not shit I can directly control, right? Like I can do my part of showing up and making great content and making sure to share it in various places. Those are actions that I can take, but I cannot directly control the outcome of how many downloads that I get or follows. And it can be pretty demoralizing. And also it's not a very good director of action to 
focus mostly on that outcome. Now, I know there's gonna be a lot of people that disagree with me on this, that's totally fine. There's more than one way of seeing things and some people really like to have those numbers or whatever as a motivator, I get it. However, like the weight loss world would tell us that doesn't really work so great, right? Because that's another space that, and of course I have feelings about that whole space, and those feelings are complicated because I also never would want to, especially as a person walking around with thin, privileged, straight size, able to you know sit in all the chairs and everything, I'm never gonna tell someone in a larger body like, no, you should just accept and love yourself the way you are, like no matter how society treats you. I'm like, that's you, that's on you. If, you, if someone is wanting to lose weight, like I'm not gonna tell them they're wrong for that, right? And I think that's another place that gets really polarized in all of the sort of intuitive eating health at every size world. However, if someone feels comfortable in their body at whatever size it is, I'm like, hell yeah, do you, right? But in the weight loss world, there is so much focus on uh, this is the number that I want to be. And I'm just like, that is never going to work. <laughs> Has it worked for you at any point in the past? Maybe for short periods of time and then it never sticks, right? Because it's ultimately our behaviors. Healthy, quote unquote healthy. And again, you know, how I feel about that word from point number two, but quote unquote healthy. So like behaviors that feel aligned with your overall well-being and that includes enjoyment, right? healthy behaviors will lead to your healthy weight. Behaviors that are aligned with the outcomes that you wanna see, rather than focusing on those outcomes and getting discouraged and wanting to give up, is gonna be a lot more effective. So rather than setting the specific goals of the outcomes you wanna have, identify what are the steps that I could take that would make success inevitable for me. Mm. I just like get chills saying that, right? What are the steps that you can take that will make success inevitable? And if it helps you to also have the sort of path illuminated by the numbers or the outcome or the results or whatever that you want, great. But if you find that getting in your way at all, just focus more on the steps that it's gonna take to send you in that general direction. Okay, so those are our three things that I would love for you to be able to release yourself of. There's probably more, uh, I know there's more, I thought of more than three, but I wanted to keep this episode pretty short. So just be thinking about if there are any things that you have subscribed to believe that you do because at one point somewhere you heard that you should. I mean, I thought about just putting meditation on this list in general, which again is something that I strongly believe in. However, like any other thing, we can very much fall into the trap of like, oh, I've got to do it the right way. I've got to do it the right amount of time, etc. And that rigidity can just take all the soul out of stuff. So I encourage you to individualize whatever the practices are that you're doing for your personal and professional growth. Let yourself take breaks from things if they're no longer resonating. Try new and different things that maybe you didn't think would appeal to you because you never know. And I want to tell you also something very exciting that Lit AF, my membership, will be reopening soon. It has been an incredible experience over the past few months. I, several times a week, drop in with these audio 
teachings and inspiration in the moment, unfiltered, while it's fresh. I love sharing that with my my members and it's these incredible women who I just get to share this space with and they have access to those recordings and the teachings both in the Telegram channel, which is kind of like WhatsApp-ish, but much cuter. And they also have access to those audio drops in a private podcast feed. So people can share reflections. I love hearing what comes up for people. The coolest thing is it's kind of like a tarot card in that I believe when you pull a card, you're gonna see whatever you need to see, even if it completely differs from whatever that card's quote unquote traditional meaning might be, right? So same thing when I share one of these teachings and I might be you know, touching on like 10 different things pinging around that all interconnect, each woman is hearing what she needs to hear and reflecting back on that and sharing that and that is wonderful and, and sharing reflections or, or questions for me in telegram is not an expectation just an opportunity we also have these wonderful bonus morning practices for when you're struggling to get out of bed and get energized monthly live calls that have been really really fun so it's just an awesome membership and i'm so excited to be soon reopening the doors And in celebration of that, I am hosting a free masterclass on September 30th at 11 a.m. Central. It's called, drum roll, Life is a Bitch, Be the Bigger Bitch. I know I mentioned this briefly on the last episode, but I'm so excited to share a little bit more with you today. The, The masterclass is gonna be all about cultivating resilience amidst chaos. And I'm hosting it because we're all overwhelmed, overstimulated, overcommitted, doing the most, and we need tools and strategies. We need different ways of thinking about this. This class is for most, for really anyone. It's geared more toward women, though the concepts will be relevant for peeps of all genders. Everyone is welcome, but it's especially for folks who identify as high achievers and get frustrated with feeling stuck, feeling like you're not achieving your full potential, stuck in perfectionism, procrastination, overwhelm, imposter syndrome, squirrel brain, etc. <laughs> We're going to talk about several things, but just a few that I'll share here, what you actually need to understand and apply as far as all of the trendy nervous system regulation stuff. And my personal feeling about this is that when everyone's talking about something like that, the most important aspects of it can tend to get diluted, especially if there's people you know, sharing about it who maybe don't have a lot of training on it. I literally got to see Stephen Porges, the creator of Polyvagal Theory, do a talk in Arlington, Virginia a few weeks ago. He was amazing. But yeah, I often think that those people are probably like overrated. He definitely was not. He was phenomenal. And I can't wait to get his new book coming out in a couple of weeks, which I'm sure I'll share with you on a future app. Okay, so we're going to be talking nervous system regulation. We're going to be talking how to discern between meaningful self-care versus shadow comforts, like I talked about earlier, that just leave you feeling drained, even if you feel like you're trying to rest. And we're also going to talk about the most powerful concept that I've discovered in recent years, really ever, for high achievers who find themselves hustling for their worthiness, even if they know better that they shouldn't be doing that. So I'm not supposed to tell you this part, but I'm going to tell you anyway. There will be a replay. Of course, I would love for you to attend live. In addition to the teaching and tools, it's going to be party vibes. So 
please come live if you're able to. There will be several giveaways for folks who attend live. Watch for more details on that soon in my Instagram and my emails. But if you know that you can't make it, sign up anyway. You'll get that replay. You can sign up for the masterclass at bit.ly slash be the bigger bitch. That's all lowercase and OMG, can you believe? I just love that URL. Again, that's all lowercase bit.ly slash be the bigger bitch. Seriously, like if you're in your car, just at your next opportunity that you are pulled over, parked, just sign up for it. I cannot wait for this class. I hope to see you there. Thank you for listening. I'll see you guys next time. Hell yeah, friend, you made it to the end. I so appreciate you tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode, make my day by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating to help other people find this podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to grab my free resource, The Procrastination Prescription, and access the five steps I take myself through every time I'm stuck in what I call procrastinoidance hell. Go to bit.ly slash procrastination tool to access it now. That's bit.ly slash procrastination tool, all lowercase. You can follow my antics on TikTok at Bad Bitch Therapist and on Instagram at the same, but with dots between the words. Thanks so much for being here. Now go out there and have a great fucking day.